It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome on Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Good planets are in the And we have to make sure that we get Basil the dog and Lagata the cat. Uh, at the, I see them. Uh, and there or they I saw were. Them. And uh, my my apologies for the slight delay. And uh, <laughs> oh, there you are. <laughs> uh, yeah, here I am. Yeah, I popped up uh, eventually on here. Welcome to the show, uh, folks. Here we go. In the words of uh, a great musician, "What a long, strange trip <laughs> it's been." And uh, here we are. In uh, the, last week was beta. So is this gamma? Uh, for uh, the uh, the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki, um, like like the hurricanes. No, are we, it's data. It's data. It's, it's data. Oh, and see now, I, and I don't have my data uh, clip ready to go. I mean, I could do it if if you're willing to tap dance, but I I don't think it's worth the time spent to find <laughs> nah. it. At some point, I, I I will bring it up. Um, welcome everybody. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy it today because we've got. Oh, you know what? I didn't mean to keep that light on. Uh, let's take that. Yeah. No, is it all right? Is it? It it's seems fine. seems it's bright fine. in the background. Um, I, you know, I'm adjusting we're, all the lights and stuff. We're in here. lightning radio. Yeah, uh, the lightning round. Um, and for those of you who 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 waited through this last week and uh, watched as Peggy was drinking coffee and, and speaking and talking at the same time. Um, this is different. This is this is not 2.0. This is 3.0 here. I think of the show because um, we have a wonderful setup. I wish you could see it. I'd like to turn the camera around and and bring everybody in. And uh, l- let me do a quick explanation because I'm not sure that I explained everything properly last week. Which is, of course, uh, we have we let. We left uh, the radio station, and um, we've decided to go strictly internet, um, and uh, and that means that uh, we're stream. Well, there you go, Kath- Kathleen just changed. I was going to keep that one on, and just why don't you just twist that one off, pop that back on? No, you got to turn it on for. Oh, oh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Don't tell her what to do. It's a, radio they, in a pandemic. Yikes! Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> there, there we go, and. Um, uh, and so we've been we were dealing with software last year, uh, last year, last week, actually hardware that was not up to the mm-hmm. task. And so that's why we had that horrible lag. Um, and we said, OK, we can fix that. 
we're we're capable that, of that. That was a feature. That was it. Yeah, yeah so to speak. Uh, and we did. Uh, and here we are this week. And I think uh, it's like uh, a thousand times better. We're ready to go. We're we're ready to rock. We're ready to do what we do Woo-hoo. from here into the future. Um, you know, I'll do one of those. Thank you. Uh, and uh, this is, uh, we're very pleased today. Uh, we'll get to her in a second, but an old friend of the show, Melinda Myers, uh, who's a horticulturist extraordinaire, will be with us in a second. We wanted to do something first before we got that. Uh, and by the way, uh, and I'm going to say the same thing I said last week. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all the people who have been following us and wishing us well and mm-hmm. signing up for the newsletter because it's going to go out this week with the announcement that, yeah, yeah we're back. We are back. Woohoo! Uh, and um, uh, we hope that, uh, uh, that uh, folks will take advantage of it and follow us and tell your friends, tell them to sign up for the newsletter. Watch us on Facebook and uh, the used tubes, Facebook. Do I get to say the face block and the use? I got to tell you, the new, the, uh, is anybody else hate the new Facebook? Uh, oh, it's horrid. Reformatting. It's awful. It is awful. And it's not just that, you know, a lot of times people complain about social media when they change it because they can't find stuff. This just glitches all the time. Are you experiencing that, Peggy? Yes. It, when I try to pre-schedule posts, especially, they just suddenly blow up or disappear or do weird things yeah yeah and when i think personal pages are a little bit better than business pages but not much no so anyway uh for those of you watching on facebook feel free to comment anyway unless you're mark zuckerberg please don't uh uh but (laughs) we i have a request to folks uh we're on streaming live right now on facebook and youtube we can choose another platform and I'd be interested. Oh, and by the way, we're also on the website at MikeNovak.net. Um, and uh, you can go there and you just click on Ways to Listen. And you should see our live stream uh, there. So for those of you who are not fans of uh, of, uh, of Facebook. And, and <laughs> yeah, and, or you're just looking for another way to listen. Um, you can stream it right off the show page, which might be more stable, for example, if you're in your car, than Facebook. Yeah. So, uh, but our my question to you is, what do you want to see? What what would be another, where would you like to see us? What's another platform you like? We have the option of a lot of things. I mean, should we start a Twitch channel? Uh, should we, a lot of people don't even know what Twitch is. Should we be on LinkedIn? I know that's more of a business site, but some people like that, so... We'd be interested in what you have to say, so write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net or on Facebook or uh, however you – you can tweet to us and send us a, a message at MikeNow. We're also on Instagram. Uh, I'm not going to stream on Instagram because that's owned by Facebook, so that's – we're already doing that. So um, that's that's kind of what we're we're thinking about. So let us know what you think would be a good avenue for us, uh, for <laughs> the show. Oh, we've uh, got one person saying Periscope already. Periscope. See, we could go back to Periscope. Uh, we did that. In fact, we could do that for, we could do that anytime, really. And uh, that would be, uh, 
Very cool. So uh, let us know. Let us know that. Um, now, we, need, we have an announcement to make, and I need to call the announcement here up on my other computer. Do I Do need want- a drum roll? Uh, that's all you get, folks. That's as- <laughs> that's the desk roll. That is as good as the drum rolls get on this show I, right well, now. I can, go get it. I can go get my drum. Uh, no, no, thank you. Actually, oh, okay, I, I think I would like that. <laughs> Uh, and I know I sent this uh, to myself, and now I've got <laughs> – I had the uh, – do you have it in front of you? If you have the inf- – uh, where'd you – Peggy? Oh, no. She's going to get the drum. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. All right. I like it. We have uh, uh, winners – yeah, yeah, yeah. We have winners in the uh, 60-second garden video challenge sponsored by Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. As you know, this year, COVID sort of knocked us off the map, uh, except we said go out in your garden and shoot a 60-second video and show it. And I can't tell you how many people have done that. And we've had more than 10,000 views of the videos wow. that have, have been there. And we've There's been some great gardens up there. Definitely. We have been giving out awards each month, uh, July, August, and September. We have the September awards here. Uh, you can go to the YouTube page, look for Chicago excellence in gardening awards on YouTube, and then look at all the videos and vote. You get to vote. You, you can't vote for any single one of them more than once, but you can vote for more than one video. Give them a thumbs up when you go and take a look at them. Uh, and we have the September winners, and they are, now you can do your drum roll, okay? Here we go. Number three, AACA's Arts Garden. Number two, it's a tie. It's a tie. Uh, with Kellogg School Garden Club presents and... Jacqueline Eden's A Sanctuary in Chicago. Number one for September. UIC Nutrition Teaching Garden. There we go. Those are our winners. Now, the UIC Nutrition Teaching Garden is eligible for a rain barrel, courtesy of the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. Uh, We'll ask them if they want it, and if they don't, maybe we'll... Mm-hmm. Get it to somebody else. It kind of depends on whether they'd like that. Uh, but all of these gardens are now eligible to win the grand prize, which we will award in one week. Uh, mm-hmm. We ha- Voting through next Friday, October 9th, I believe it is. Um, and uh, any garden that has uh, is on the list you can vote for, and we will tally all of the votes and see who the grand prize is winner is so if you haven't voted yet if you if you submitted a garden and you didn't get all of your friends to vote for it go out and do that now get them on there and say hey you got to go to youtube and you gotta you gotta vote for me so uh and what do they win valuable cash prizes yes they do uh we are actually gift certificates from city grange that's right um so um 
Not a huge cash prize, but it is a cash prize. Well, the the winner gets $150. Second place will get $100. And third place is $50, um, courtesy of Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. So there you go. We wanted to make that announcement today. And uh, congratulations to the winners and to congratulations to all the people who have entered. And there's still time to stuff the ballot box. In the great Chicago <laughs> tradition, and don't that even never don't no. even get me started on our national elections. Okay, don't even let uh, that happen. So uh, we've spent enough time. Whoops, that's the wrong one. Let's go back to this one. We've spent. I got to find the uh, who? Where is it? It's here someplace. It was. I'm, I'm busy tweeting. Don't ask me. Uh, okay, I think it's this. There we go. We we put uh, this one up. I'm looking at my screens here so that I can bring up uh, our guest, uh, who is the wonderful Melinda <laughs> Myers, and there she is. How you doing, Melinda? I'm great. It's so good to chat with you and be part of your show. This is exciting. Uh, well, thank you, thank you, and we're, we're we're experimenting with all the bells and whistles here uh, this morning. Uh, like I said, I would love to turn the camera around so you can see the setup. Uh, it's it's rather cool, um, and uh, and Melinda is in Milwaukee. And if you've uh, watched our show at all and listened to our show, um, you know that this woman knows just about everything there is to know. Uh, about yeah. gardening, uh, I what I, I what I want to do, Melinda, is you know basically I want to say uh, yada yada yada, but um, no, I won't. Go ahead, that works. No, no, no. I I, I got to give you the real deal. She she's a. Oh, and I forgot my zizi plant. You guys both have your zizis. I need to go get mine. Oh, there we are. And uh, you know what? And we're going to start with zizi. I'm glad you brought that up, Peggy, because we almost talked about it last week. Um, and then it got left behind somehow in all the madness. Um, but first of all, let me tell everybody that Melinda's a nationally known gardening expert, TV radio host, author and columnist, 30 years of horticultural experience, has written more than 2,100 books on gardening. <laughs> in, in, did I exaggerate a little bit? Just a little bit. Okay, all right. Uh, That's next year. Including that's right. That's right. Can't miss small space gardening. The Midwest Gardener's Handbook. um, Jackson and Perkins' Beautiful Roses Made Easy. Uh, She hosts the nationally syndicated Melinda's Garden Moment program, which airs on more than 115 TV and radio stations. Has that gone up? Has it gone down? Is that still about the right number? It's probably close enough. I, you know, you go to my website, you can find the radio or TV station in your area. So and, I always send them there, so I don't have to remember the numbers. <laughs> and by the way, that's Melinda Myers M Y E R S. Look at her the her name there. Go to the screen. Look under her picture. That's how you spell Melinda Myers. Melinda Myers dot com. <laughs> Uh, she's uh, done the internationally distributed great courses, How to Grow Anything, DVD series, um, and uh, regular columnist for Birds and Blooms in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. <sighs> That's all the time we have, Melinda. Got to go. Okay. Yeah. It's been real. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now, and we said to her, Melinda, uh, we've got uh, our new show, 3.0 here. We need a guest, and and I'll be really honest. 
I said to Melinda, I want somebody I don't have to babysit, okay? Because it, <laughs> we just wind up and turn loose. And she said, yeah, I'll do it. That's cool. And I'm like, yay. So you definitely get a ding. You get a couple of dings there. Yay. So, Made so, my day. <laughs> so let, before we get into outdoor gardening, uh, because it's fall and um, it just makes me so sad, especially this year. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's still lots to do and it's still a, a good time. Um, let's talk about the ZZ plant. Um, and, and, uh, Zamocalcus, Zamiafolia, or I believe is something like that is the name of the plant. Yeah. And, uh, did I even come close to pronouncing it correctly? Better than I would do. <laughs> And it's obviously not native to the United States, um, but it's a wonderful indoor plant, isn't it, uh, Melinda? It is. It's great for low-light situations. It's great for those people like me that tend to forget to water on a regular basis. If you are an overwaterer, do a peace lily. Um, and it likes to go dry between waterings, low light situation. I did find this one's in my office. And in the winter, my office faces west, pretty brutal winds. I have to move it back a bit. It doesn't take cold drafts. But other uh, than that, very low, low maintenance, easy care. Yeah, it's one of those plants where it really benefits from neglect. Uh, put it in a dark place, <laughs> not a closet, <laughs> uh, but it, it'll take a low-light situation uh, like a champ. Uh, if you give it a little bright in direct light, it's not going to kill it. It's not going to hurt it. better, right. Yeah. What, what about soil in the container? What's the best type of soil to put a ZZ into? You know, so one of the things I find, feet. you know, a good quality potting mix, and I think that's easier said than done. You know, finding the mix that matches the way you garden. I use an organic mix that uses rice hulls instead of perlite or vermiculite for drainage. And um, you want to make sure you have good drainage. So something with some organic matter, um, whether it's, you know, peat moss, core. Core, I'm still, I'm, I'll am i be honest, core, I've not mastered that. You know, it's uh, and let's, let's, Wait, let's talk about that. Core, C-O-I-R is how That's it's right. spelled. Coconut? Coconut, yeah. The husk of ho of coconuts. And so instead of landfilling it, they're using it as a soil amendment, um, a seed starter mix. Um, I work with a garden center in Wisconsin, Ebert's Greenhouse Village, and those that staff loves it. They find it holds the moisture. They don't have to water as often. Um, and, and they love it. For me, I found it just didn't work for the way I garden. So I use an organic mix with leaf compost, some peat moss, rice hulls. It matches the way I garden. It doesn't mean it's better than the other. It means mm -hmm. it matches the way I garden. And that you're, you know, picking the potting mix that works for you. Good drainage, as you mentioned, Peggy, is so important. So whether it's Rice hulls, vermiculite, perlite, making sure that mix drains well is going to be critical. Never take soil out of your garden and put it in a pot, whether you're gardening in containers outside or inside. A lot of issues with that. So you'll want to make sure that you, and sorry for the dig, <laughs> make sure that you uh, No, that's you okay because I, I, I've been known to do that. I have to admit, I will not, not out of the garden. I take it out of the compost pile and I have okay, been. Okay, well, that's. Different? That's okay. That's that's compost. So and and what I do is know, okay. I'll I will just pop a little. You know, I'll take a, a soilless mix, um, 
and uh, I will add a little bit of compost to it because I want to put a little biology in there. And I have, I'm knocking on this uh, table here, I have not had a problem yet. Um, and I know you're right. You take anything from the outside that is not sterile, uh, there's a chance you can bring a pathogen in with you. So um, it's, it's, it's... And, and gardens... It garden soils the issue because that's not going to drain well versus compost. Mm-hmm. Oh so, yeah, no, 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 yeah, and and yeah. I make sure that yeah. I don't put very much in there. And it's you don't want it's the clay it's, in there. Yeah, no, you don't yes. want that. So, yeah. um, I'm. I, go ahead, Peg. Oh no, go ahead. I I have a question. Okay, go. It's a terminology question that probably Uh-oh. a lot of indoor gardeners Wait. may have always been afraid to ask because they figure everybody else knows this. So I'll throw this out there. When people say soilless mix, good question. I'm sure some people say, but isn't it dirt? What does soilless mix technically mean? That's a great question. There's no mineral soil that the things that we garden in outside in the mix. So it's usually organic matter like uh, pine bark, uh, compost core, some drainage materials like expanded clay, uh, Mm -hmm. vermiculite or perlite. So that's a great question. And so it, and one of the things about soilless mix, it tends to drain better. So that makes it good for plants that need the drainage, especially when you put soil in a pot, it impacts drainage. It doesn't drain as well as it does out in the open in ground and that's why we use those but it doesn't hold the nutrients either and you know mike your comment about adding some compost in soil biology that's why i like this organic mix i use because it does contain compost and some soil biology so i don't have to fertilize as often Mm -hmm. i'm feeding the soil and the plants so Great question. So that's why with soilless mixes, we have to adjust our watering maybe more often, but always make sure the plant needs it and then fertilize it because it doesn't hold the nutrients like our lovely clay soil does. (laughs) You know, well, that's okay. First of all, uh, in terms of you're, you're right. There are some really terrific mixes out there now that have compost in them, uh, high quality stuff that you can get. Do you have, are you willing to go out on a limb and suggest a brand or two? I I did some work in the past. I'm not working with them now. Sue, H-S-U. It's sometimes hard to find. Um, that's the mix I use. They're based in Wausau, Wisconsin, and they're ginseng growers. And how they got started, it's kind of an interesting story. They were creating compost for their ginseng farms. Neighbors found out about would come with a five-gallon bucket and say, can I have some of the good stuff, <laughs> meaning the <laughs> compost? And so they decided to bag it and start selling it. And if you go to their website, it's Sue, H-S-U, um, products and then you can find locations and um, hope you know it's around the Midwest fairly available you can order it online but boy it starts to get expensive when you ship potting yes yeah. uh, you and, know so and, you might want to check that out yeah and I think you know and there are a number of other uh, brands and out do you there. guys ha- you guys must have some that you like as well uh, or are you still searching for the best? You know what? There's, there are. I, I would. I'm at a loss to come up with a name right now. But I know there are several brands. When I go to a store and I'm looking for, mm-hmm. for something, and I'll go, yeah, that's 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 one I will use. Uh, some of them. I prefer uh, to use brands that don't include fertilizer. Um, Me too. 
Uh, I would rather handle that myself. Um, uh, some people like that because you know takes away the the need to do that. But um, you know what kind of fertilizer are they putting into it? So yeah. uh, you need to uh, decide for yourself. Um, but what I also tell people is. And, and this is re- regard to any kind of soil amendment as well as a potting mix is go to your favorite independent garden center because I always mm-hmm. support independent garden centers and ask them what they like. What do they use? You know, uh, and uh, I think you'll get some good. Now, obviously, if they're selling various brands, they're going to try to support all of them. But, yeah. you know, you might get somebody on the QT to say, I really like this uh, over here, it, you know, so. Um, and, and tell them the, the way you garden as well. Are you an overwater or an under gardener, mm-hmm. uh, underwater gardener? You know, it's that benign neglect thing. And that yeah. will help them help you do a better job as well. That's a great bit of advice because they can direct you accordingly. I work with Pasquese in the Chicago area. And they, you know, their team is great. And they've got some organic mixes on the shelf as well as, you know, some of the national brands that, you know, we know that aren't organic. So that also helps you what are some of the things that you want on Melorganite's website I did a blog for them on soils potting mixes and compost so I talk about some of those things to look for so um, you might want to check that out too some tips on what you can look for and we haven't even gotten to the outdoors yet, okay? I know, exactly. <laughs> or finish one the ZZ plant. plant. <laughs> <laughs> or fin- well, and, 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 and one more thing about the ZZ plant, and Peggy alluded to it, and, I, and you alluded to it, but let, let's, let's call it out here. If you overwater that thing, it's done, okay? Forget it. You know, it's going to just collapse. And I, even, I, knowing that, I've killed two ZZ plants, Okay. Um, so now I'm just ridiculously careful about what, and I read, a, I read a, um, something about care of ZZ plant and they said, give it a complete watering and make sure it runs out the bottom of the, uh, the, you know, the drainage holes. And I thought, no, I'm not doing that. Sorry. Um, you know, they said, let it dry out and then do that. And I'm like, no, I just give it a little trickle and I go, it, and it seems to do fine. And I'm leaving it with that. So uh, but mine kind of goes on the water once every couple months and it's happy. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> that, and and exactly. And too much TLC. All right. Uh-oh. We lost your audio there. Did you hit a button? Okay. Sorry. That was me. Better? <laughs> yeah. You, 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 yeah I ju- the, the, I, error, the error occurred between the headset and the chair. I just lost two years of my life right there. Just letting you know. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. I it's okay. owe you. After, you after the last two weeks. You guys visit the show for a while. <laughs> we'll be expecting the I'm bags of, the of control. soilless mix. Yeah. The mix. Okay. Uh, and, and the other thing I learned is um, when I repotted one the other, like last year or something, um, I did it without, I, I repotted it and then I just let it sit in the pot. I didn't water it in. I didn't do anything like that. I just said, no, just refuse to water it. Just let it sit, let it get acclimated to its new home. And then after a few weeks, I added a little moisture because I had, I had done that before I had transplanted one and I watered it in and it just, it melted. Um, so have you had anything like that, Melinda? 
Um, yeah, I have a Chinese evergreen that if you go, it, it's beautiful. And if you go, I purchased it at Pasquazi and the sign in their shop says, don't water this, <laughs> telling the staff not to overwater. You know? <laughs> and so I was being good about not overwatering. And then I thought I'd neglected it in this whole quarantine thing. I don't know about you, but keeping track of time has been very challenging. And yes, I'm drying it out. <laughs> In another spot where I put aside, don't water this. So I remember to let it dry out a bit. It's another good low light plant that really prefers to go dry between waterings. And there's so many new varieties that have more colorful leaves too. So, you know, the good news is a Chinese Chinese evergreen, evergreen. Aglionema. Yeah. And so it's a new version of it. Yeah. It's a new variety, some new varieties out there. Yeah. yeah, so with some different colorful leaves. So we're seeing more and more, because of the how interest in house plants, we're starting to see some cool new varieties again. Remember, I got my house plants were the gateway to horticulture for me. That's where I got excited. <laughs> yeah, what can I say? And um, I did interior plantscapes back then in college. And it, it was, we saw tons of cool plants. And then people kind of lost interest, so the breeders weren't as busy. But now, all, you know, everybody wants to grow indoors, clean the air, reduce stress. You know, winter's coming. Let's stock up the indoor garden. And we're seeing some cool varieties out there, some new different varieties, different colored foliage, you know, just some great options to really add a little spark to your indoor garden. Well, we're, we're going to break here in a second, but I do want to mention that um, a, I think a month ago or so, um, I posted uh, an article about a plant, an indoor plant, a house plant that was purchased for $5,000. And uh, oh. yeah, 5000 And it was in a, <laughs> it was in a pot like this. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This is somebody's got way too much money uh, and doesn't know what to do with it. Uh, it, it. You know, you can throw some of that money at me if you want. Uh, but that's that, it's a, it's a thing now. People yeah. paying extravagant amounts. It's like uh, tulip omania uh, back in, uh, wow. in 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 uh, in the Netherlands. It's just crazy. Yeah, I, and I believe it was um, in uh, New Zealand or Australia where. This was yeah. purchased, and I and I I would have to find the article. Um, I can't even tell you what what the plant was, uh, but expensive. I, it was expensive, it, absolutely. And in none of our homes, that's uh, for sure. Uh, you know, I need to remind people that we're talking to Melinda Myers. You can see her name there, but you can go to her website, melindamyers.com and get all kinds of great uh, gardening information. When we come back, we're going to actually get to talking about what's going on in our yards right now. Yeah. Don't you Yay. love, by the way, don't you love how relaxed I can be about going into a break uh, at this point? This is like, oh, okay, let's just stretch here. And uh, Okay. All right. Uh, we'll be back with Melinda Myers. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We continue to live in interesting and challenging times. As we've learned over the past few months, something as important as tree care can be made much more difficult by unexpected events like the COVID-19 pandemic. 
Bartlett Tree Experts understands that and has made safety their number one consideration. But that's not surprising because safety has always been their number one concern and will continue to be their concern as we move into the next phases of this crisis. Something else we've learned over this time is that people love their trees and from a safe distance have been eager to talk to Bartlett Arborist representatives, whether from the safety of their porch or through a window or over the phone. They also know that Bartlett can make outside areas safer from ticks, which are having a banner year thanks to a mild winter. Bottom line, the folks at Bartlett Tree Experts want to say thank you to their customers for loving trees and understanding that every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Collective Resource Compost wants to show you how they make composting easy in Chicagoland. You can reduce greenhouse gas emissions by diverting food scraps from landfills. CRC brings you a fresh 5-gallon bucket or a 32-gallon neighbor tote with each pickup. You fill it with organic matter, they swap it out, and get it to a commercial composting operation. Composting is what nature would do if we just got out of her way. Learn how easy it is to divert waste at your home, school, or workplace. Go to collectiveresource.us. Since 2001, DiveHeart has been revolutionizing rehabilitation using zero gravity and scuba therapy to give confidence, independence, self-esteem, and yes, freedom to children, veterans, and others with disabilities. At DiveHeart, we believe in the power of partnership because together we can do great things. Let DiveHeart help you imagine the possibilities in your life. Go to DiveHeart.org to learn more. I've crossed the Displains, I've forded the Vermilion, swum the Little Wabash, I've followed the Apple, the Calumet's muddy, and the Rock River's clear, but down by the Umbra, I courted my dear. She hugged me, she kissed me, she called me her dandy. The Mackinaw's rocky, the Kankakee sandy. She hugged me, she kissed me, she called me her own. But down by the umbra, she left me alone. And of course, that is our uh, great friend, Mark Dvorak, uh, who we need to have on this show again. We need to have him do some more music for us. Um, and, um, you know, that's, a, that's a challenge here too. uh, Melinda Myers is, uh, in the age of the intertubes here, uh, playing music that they're going to not going to smack you down, uh, because of right. uh, copyright restrictions right. on, on radio. As you know, you could play just about anything as long as the station had a license, um, and on, uh, with uh, Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and uh, you have to be much care more careful. That was recorded in the studio when we had him in there, so I don't have to worry about that because um, <laughs> he, he was there in person. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. So pleased to have Melinda Myers, uh, horticulturist extraordinaire, on the show with us today. And yeah, let's get to the fall. All right, and what we're doing, um, we Hello. had yeah, I know. And a <laughs> friend of mine said you got to talk to her about. Preparing uh, your fall bed, uh, and 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 Melinda wrote back to me. Well, how about extending the season? Uh, you guys had a you you from your email it was hard to know. You had a couple of typos in there, uh, Melinda. But oh, sorry, as always. <laughs> but I got the impression you'd already had a hard freeze up in Milwaukee. 
Well, west of, I'm west of the city. And so when I lived in the city, it was great because I could ignore the first few frost warnings, not a problem, but now I have to pay attention. It was down to 32. Um, I think that was Thursday night, Wednesday or Thursday night. Um, we're due for another one possibly tonight where I live. Tonight. And, yeah, no, we are what? too. We are too. We're going to, okay. uh, it's a warning to folks that, uh, uh, and I'm going to have to get out there. And I've got a bunch of tropicals in the backyard that I didn't even think about <laughs> until just now. No ZZ, no ZZ plants out there, but there are others that I'm going to have to. Well, you got to get that avocado in. Uh, the, uh, well, I'm going to talk to meteorologist Rick DeMaio, who's going to be on the show later. God willing. <laughs> and... Uh, um, and uh, and ask him in the city. See, it looks like we're in that area where I got a feeling we'll be at like 35. And if we're there right. or, or a little higher, the, the, most of those tropicals can handle that. Um, it, but some might, you know, I might get my um, avocado in. That that might be one yeah. that I, I will schlep into the and, basement. And the ones that are further away from the house as well. Good are, point. Are more vulnerable than those yeah. close. Yeah. And any low spots in the garden. I mean, I can track where, even though we had 32, it might have been 32.3. So my sweet potatoes bit the dust because I didn't cover them. I'm like, yeah, they're underground. <laughs> I'll dig them up. Um, but I covered, I got a late start getting my tomatoes out. So I have tons of tomatoes. I picked everything that was ripe, mm-hmm. everything starting to show color, everything that was green and lightening up. I have tables in the basement filled with tomatoes. My father would be so proud. That was our ping pong table every fall, tomatoes ripening inside. Picked my peppers, but I covered everything because then we're supposed to have 70 degrees this week after this tough frost, right? So often we have a couple of freezes and then we have warm weather. So I'm hoping that I'll get some time to ripen some of that other, those other veggies. And I have hardy figs that are loaded, but they're not ready. And I'm so sad. Last year, the ground squirrels ate them all. This year, I used plant skid. It's kept the ground squirrels away, but the cold came. So, um, Rime, floating row covers. They let air, light, and water through, but trap the heat. I've pulled out every old sheet. I never, th- never throw away yeah. old bed sheets, yeah. because, right? And that's what covers exactly. my plants near the house and some of the things in the garden. Um, my fiance, Pete, goes, wow, it looks like Halloween out there <laughs> when you look in my garden because of all the covers. <laughs> But, you know, we're, you know, and I'm always out there covering, but, you know, if I get a couple more weeks of the growing season, I'm going to be happy. And then you don't always get things in it, move things into the garage, wheel them out. I'm still doing quite a bit of media. Now it comes to me. So my garden needs to look good and I need some props in the background, right? So you need those plants to fill in. So it's that time of year where trying to buy as much time as we can in the garden season for those of us in the north. And as you say, it's so frustrating knowing that there are going to be temperatures in the 70s uh, this coming yeah. week. Um, and in fact, I could put a map up about that. Um, and um, in fact, okay, now now I'm just going to. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, you're Ooh, hunting, for the, well, you're hunting for the map. No, you know, things oh, okay. Like basil, it's, it's time to basil plants, usually under about 35, oh, they yes. start giving up. So, yeah, we know. And coleus. I had my coleus covered by the house. One of them must not have been totally covered. I had a little bit of damage. So they're inside mm. too. So impatience, coleus, basil, as you yeah. mentioned, um, really need that protection. So well, I, I just I in. just had uh, uh, a listener write on Facebook here, does our tomatoes done for, uh, done for in Chicago after tonight? And I'm going to say no. I don't think so I'm because I think mm-hmm. that it, 
Okay, Rick DeMaio defines a hard freeze as 28 degrees or lower sustained for, for four consecutive hours. Okay, yeah. I don't think we're going to get anything like that tonight. Uh, again, he'll be on later and tell us. Um, but in terms, you know, while I'm going to bring in my huge seven foot tall avocado plant because I I I've, I've put too much effort into it, I'm not going to do anything. It's part for the, of the family. Yeah. I'm not going to do anything for the tomatoes because I'm going to assume they're going to get through this and continue. And then next week when it gets warm, some of those tomatoes will continue to ripen. Um, And said, throw, throw an old bed sheet over them or a blanket. Yeah. Yeah. If you're that concerned about it, yeah, you do that and that'll take care of it. And it'll be an early Halloween because it'll look like ghosts in your backyard. (laughs) Exactly. All right, now I'm gonna I'm gonna do my magical trick and look at this, folks. All right, well, um, oh, all right. So let's pull these uh, uh, our guest shots uh, off here, and you can uh, see this thank is you. Yes, yeah. I know you can see what's planned <laughs> for the uh, the ah. U- this week. We this already is, did the ooh, so I was doing the ah. Yeah, um, this is the eight to fourteen day temperature probability. Uh, yeah, wow. this is what it's going to look like um for uh, the coming week so if you can get through tonight in your garden uh then you're probably uh going to be okay and by the way those of you who are listening on the podcast you can't see this obviously because it's on the podcast as you know one of our that's why i encourage you to tune into the the facebook youtube and whatever mm-hmm. we choose as the uh, uh social media outlet to be named later um uh, and you get to see some of these things. So let's let's bring back um, our screens here and uh, our guest Melinda Meyer. So uh, it's really it's a hard thing. It's difficult in the fall to make those calls, isn't it? It is. And at some point, you know, I have some gardening friends out in California that say you're so lucky you have an end. You have a break in the garden season. When I was covering my tomatoes, I wasn't feeling really lucky. <laughs> But at some point we do, you know, at some point we do get a break and we get to recharge. We get to focus inside, whether we're growing edibles, herbs or houseplants inside. We get a chance to kind of take a break, rethink, make that list of what we want to do different next year. I mean, I don't know about you, but every day I'm gardening. I'm like, oh, next year I need to not do this. I need to do this. Um, But right now it's a scramble. It's a scramble to keep the weeds. I'm still weeding. My theory is every weed I pull now. Oh, I've been weeding all year, and I, okay, <laughs> every, every, I, you know, we finish a bed, and three days later, I got seedlings coming up, and so yeah. every weed I pull now are fewer weeds next year, and I'm, you know, I'm working on, I'm starting a couple new beds, because I'm insane, and I'm going to take that <laughs> sod and, and create raised beds with it. Last year, I, I started a new bed, we took the, um, the turf weeds and all face down created raised beds so we lay a layer of that side green side down put some alorganite another layer put some alorganite if you have compost compost in between and those were the best tomatoes i've had i have sandy soil and so i've created this great and then i covered it with plastic for the winter to try to kill all the grass any weeds and grass and i'll tell you i had the best tomatoes i've had in the well, how long have I lived here? Seven years I've lived here. And I've got a new bed started and I'm going to do the same thing because it's a great way to build soil for me. You know, so many of us have 
heavy clay soil that doesn't drain well, or I have sandy, rocky soil. Yeah, how, wait, wait so, can, I, can I ask a question? You're west of sure. Milwaukee. How do you have sandy soil? I, I, you know, the kettle moraine, man, those ah. glaciers dumped a lot of yep. the sand and rocks. So every time I try to plant a bulb, I remove five rocks and put a bulb in. <laughs> I have some rocks that are so big, I have to move the plant because I can't, I can't even find the edges of the stones. So Yikes. I'm kind of where the, yeah, so I'm kind of where the glacier dumped a lot. So sand is nice when you get rain. It drains, you can add compost, it, it. You know, I had clay soil before and 26 years of amending. It was beautiful that I left that soil. So now I'm trying to find fast ways to fix my soil. Yeah. And that and that worked really well. The raised beds with the, the sod rather than composting it, which is another option. Or if you're in a small space, what do you do with it? We just put a rain garden in. I just uh, We just installed a rain garden for a video we're doing, and she's in a small city lot. And she's using it. We hauled it into her back to kind of change the grade by her house. So instead of hauling in topsoil, we took some of the soil removed for the rain garden. She filled in under her steps where soil had eroded, and then is going to use that sod green side down to create that grade away from her house. So trying to find creative ways, especially in a small space situation, to... Uh be sustainable and repurpose those items instead of throwing them into the landfill. And you're making a really good point about green side down. And, you know, there's the joke about green side up, uh, but you know, let's, let's, we, 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 we won't go down that road. Yeah. We're talking about killing side, which is don't throw it away. You turn it upside down and let the nutrients stay in your soil. And let then the grass will die, and it decomposes, and now you've got more nutrients. Exactly. You can compost it if you don't want to start a new bed. And if you have bare spots in your lawn, then use it to replace those. But I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I think the good, if there's anything good about this year, we've had more time to really evaluate our lifestyle for many of us and thinking about how you can be more sustainable and it's challenging in small spaces. I get that. You know, I was a small space gardener for 26 years. It's more challenging than if you have more room, but boy, small space gardeners are pretty creative in finding solutions. And sometimes it's just stepping back and thinking about it. Yeah. I suspect you have, uh, do you, how large is your garden? Um, Well, I have several different plots. So I live on 11 acres and Three and a half is Yikes. the forest. Okay. Yeah, and which luckily, but I have buckthorn <laughs> and honeysuckle to remove. Um, but mm. I have a large garden area fenced in that we videotape and do photography, and that's sixty by a hundred and something. Yeah. So it's, it's got beds and it's so I can't. I get it. You know, it's oh, we took this and made raised beds. But I still do small space things because there's a lot of small space gardeners out there. Well, how are you going to stay in touch with them the if you challenge. don't do that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it could be your kitchen garden in a small space, for example. Exactly. And I still do containers because I want certain things right outside my kitchen door. I still do pots of herbs and tomatoes and things that when I'm cooking, oh, I forgot this, I can run out and harvest. Or if I have guests, we can pick our own tomatoes and throw them on the salad. Uh, so, and my garden is, you know, when we talk about the back 40, we're talking about the back 40 feet. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> Um, and mine I, wasn't even that big in the city, so I totally get. Mine's it. actually about <laughs> yeah. twenty. Mine's about twenty by thirty. All right, so okay. it's a very different situation. And when you talk about pulling weeds, uh, it, in the course of the year, and by the way, as you say, in the pandemic year, a lot of our gardens have never looked better. 
uh, because exactly. that that's Mine where too. we were stuck. I I mean I can't tell you it still looks great. Um, and about getting to uh, fall maintenance, I'm not going to do a lot because what I do is I let the plants just collapse. Mm-hmm. The exceptions will probably be the vegetables like uh, the tomatoes and the the squash vines that I'll get rid of. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I might uh, remove, but usually I let because I have a lot of natives in the the yard too, and 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 plants with stems where insects can overwinter, and yeah. you just leave leave the leaves is and is you, you the, leave the brush piles there for them to overwinter as well. Exactly, and and when I've always been a proponent in my very first book, I said leave your garden stand for winter, and I was teaching at the time, and a graphic art teacher read my book because I think you're lazy and I said (laughs) no seriously I leave the thing stand it brings the birds in the color and motion Mm -hmm. they add to the winter landscape I leave them stand as you mentioned Mike for the pollinators leaves are a great mulch and that's where a lot of things overwinter in that leaf debris so leaving those is important well he did leave his garden stand he said well if you can do this I'm going to do it he called me in the spring he goes I had more birds than I've ever had in my back yard because I left all those healthy disease-free perennials stand for winter because I still think you're lazy but it really works (laughs) well you're right disease-free is the key right now rid of anything that's diseased right now do you consider powdery mildew a disease um, you know what? It's impossible to keep powdery mildew out. It, different strains attack different plants. Right. Now, for peonies, then the last 15 years, powdery mildew has been an issue. So I will cut it back and throw that. You can bury it off-site. You could compost it. Some municipalities will pick some of that up, but then you're putting it in the community compost. Um, tar spot on maples. I know all the pathologists say to get rid of those leaves. I lived when I lived in the city. Everybody had a Norway maple street tree. The park had a Norway maple. They all had tar spot. Right. I shredded mine with the mm-hmm. mower and left it on the lawn. I figured it is not going to make that <laughs> yeah. big a difference. And my tree—it's coming gone. back anyways. Okay? Exactly. So I might as well take the benefit of those leaves fertilizing my lawn as opposed to raking them to the curb for the city to haul away. Um, powdery mildew, yeah, if you can minimize those susceptible plants, compost, you know, a good compost once it's broken down thoroughly, you should be fine. Um, or use that compost on different plants because they're different strains of mildew. The ones that attack uh, the zucchini and squash are different than those that attack your flocks than attack your lawn. So pretty much, the, I mean, there's you know, a whole laundry list of plants that get powdery mildew. And if you exactly. got rid of all of, I mean, look, Monarda gets you'd it. You'd still get it. Yeah. yeah. You'd still yeah. get powdery mildew. And so it's another one of those like tar spot. But one of the Sorry. things I did this summer that I'm kind of proud of myself of was the zucchini plant. Every the minute I saw a powdery mildew spot, whoop, that leaf's gone, and I'm it's out of here. And it's really the plant has held up really well over the summer. You know, Colorado State University is one of the places I go. Obviously, I use our own local um, university extension. Illinois has great resources too. Um, all the states have a connection to the Michigan State. Michigan State, yeah, Cornell, Ohio State, Cornell. Purdue. There's some wonderful, wonderful universities. And, and, yeah. and when you're doing research, let me do a plug for the universities. Look for something.edu before exactly. you go to any commercial site about gardening. 
But go ahead. Sorry. But Colorado, you... No, that's okay. I'm glad you put that plug in. Colorado State University um, does a lot with organic controls. And so one sometimes I'll look, I'll look at those sources we talked about, my local source, but I'll also see what's happening at Colorado State University. And they'd found that horticulture oils really provided a long-term benefit, something like a summit year-round spray oil, lightweight oil. Um, they found really provided um, up to a 30 days control for mildew. I don't spray for mildew because I know I'm not going to get out there regularly. Um, <laughs> Cornell found that baking soda mixed with horticulture oil or insecticidal soap also works if you're looking for organic options to control. But I, I plant shorter things in front of my flocks of Monarda that get powdery mildew to cover the leaves because they're going to come back next year. I'm not going to deal with it. But, you know, thinning <laughs> them out in the – I mean, that's the reality. Sometimes I you just know, but – I'm not going to deal with that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So if you keep it, either mask it, you know, or do the thinning. But um, there's lots of good options out. I think the good thing is more and more people are concerned about what we're putting on our plants mm-hmm. and the impact on the environment. So we're seeing more research on that. And so I think, yeah. you know, we saw some of that in the late 70s and it kind of disappeared. But I'm hoping it's here to stay now. I'm hoping that we continue I'm going to get off my soapbox in a minute, but continue demanding for some, you know, good ecological solutions, whether it's, okay, I'm just going to write that off. I'll go to the farmer's market if my tomato crop is terrible. But I have to tell you, I grew resilience, uh, uh, Roma tomatoes. It's an all-America selection. And I'll tell you, I have had the, I've got the best Roma tomatoes, disease-free, and I picked a bunch of them. No spots, no septoria leaf spot on the fruit. And I usually get some, and I overplant, even though I have a lot of space. Mm -hmm. So I've just been really impressed because I had a table full of aromas that are ripening, and I don't have any disease on those. And that's pretty amazing. I know it was a drier year for me, but still, I... I, They've got, it's got good disease resistance. You know, that's, it's so interesting because um, I, all of us want to support heirloom varieties. And then you plant Mm -hmm. something like that Roma tomato. And I'll be honest, I've been planting for the last several years, the tomatoes from Dr. Harry Klee at the University of Florida. Um, especially his W hybrid is like the most amazingly prolific and uh, wonderful, and they're all they're all tasty. They're all tough as nails, but not you know you, it doesn't. It's not like bite, biting into a cardboard or anything like that. I mean, the, he bred them so that they could ship. They would have flavor, and they'd be prolific. And I planted his W hybrid. That's my favorite. Um, the uh, Garden Gem is a wonderful tomato, but it's like a Roma. It's like a more like a plum yeah, tomato. It's much smaller. Yeah. And then the garden treasure did. Okay. Not as good as the hybrid. Um, and I'm telling you, and they're starting to sell those now through, um, proven winners. Um, and okay, I don't, good. and I don't know how well that went this year with the pandemic. I know the first year they ran out of seed very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. but again, I also grew a Wisconsin 55, which did very well. Um, and a Tasmanian chocolate dwarf tomato, which was not prolific, but boy, we just harvested a couple of them, probably the last ones of the year, and they're just wonderful. 
Yeah, and I think finding I think finding what works well for you. The other one that I that I every time I bring people in the garden, I like to try new and different things. And I've I'm going to call you in the spring because I want to try his tomatoes. You've raved about them, but I grew yellow apple, which is a small plum, but it's got interesting shape like an apple, and it's yellow. And everybody, cool. the flavor is hmm. oh, incredible. And the plug from AAS, the marketing material, said it produces up to a thousand per plant. I think they underestimate. <laughs> I've been given bags away, and I have a table full of those too, and more on the plant. Send us some so seeds. One would have been enough. I will, and I'll I will. get you. I'll definitely. get you some, and I can get you some seeds from KC Tomato. Now, I grew um, the one that was really interesting this year was called Sun Lucky, and it's and it's yeah. slightly larger than cherry. I'm taking notes when you see me looking down. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My plant still has a lot of green sun luckies on it right now. Yeah, and Ooh, we've been harvesting okay. it I didn't it didn't even produce a tomato until the end of July. All right. And then since then it's been great. And what's really cool about them is the once they fully ripen, they're red on the outside and you cut them open, they're orange on the inside. Ooh. And delightful flavor. Um just wonderful. So Casey, if you're listening, dude, you get a ding, okay? Hey, Casey. So and does they're he about seven the... feet tall. <laughs> okay, so you need a ladder to harvest. Okay. Yeah, so does least, he sell? Yeah. Can you can you buy the seeds and start them yourself? He has or them just, available. You have, to have a connection like you. You know what? I will get you some seeds, but yeah, he has he, them he available. Some in the... yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Peggy. Uh, some are in the Seed Savers Exchange. Some of them. Okay, that's good to. I'm thinking other people. I mean, you've convinced me the I'm last sure what, time we'll I was on. You talked him. about these. You know, yes. I, I I should so. mention we're talking to Melinda Myers. Uh, go to melindamyers.com. We have just a couple of minutes here before I'm going to let you go. Um, uh, on a, on a note that you probably don't want to go into. <laughs> okay. Peggy sent me the uh, this the other day. Murder hornets are back. Um, oh. I know, just like the dumbest thing ever, but um, apparently there's a colony somewhere in Washington State because uh, a few more have shown up. You you sent me the article, Peggy. Did uh, yeah yeah it was uh, yesterday. It was uh, on a lot of news channels and including New York Times saying they thought it nothing was there, but now they have found several of them, and the university's looking Ooh. for them before they get to the slaughter phase. The yes, they have a slaughter phase. What's the a slaughter sl phase is what that's the point in apparently in the murder hornet life cycle where it goes and bites the heads off bees. Oh, and and uh, oh my god, there's uh, this this guy says he spotted a giant, an Asian giant hornet on his property September 21st and used a can of wasp spray to kill it. Okay, um. He's, and he says, I was a little weak in the knees after seeing the hornet up close in the shop. My heart was beating fast. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, what's always the challenge is there, hornets and wasps are pollinators. The good, you know, so there's the bat, the invasives that we don't want, like jumping worms in our garden. But And murder hornets. You know, and, more, and murder hornets. But if we start killing everything, I always worry that people get so concerned they start killing everything. So yes. make sure you know what you have. Report it to your extension service if you think you found it. Um, because yeah, that's the only way we're going to monitor. The, yeah. and, and earlier in the year when people found them, they started killing all kinds of, of hornets uh, because they thought they right. were murder hornets. And folks, 
just stop, okay? Just knock it off. Maybe if you know if you can identify one, get a photo or something. That's one thing, but don't just start killing everything yeah. in in the neighborhood. And they're only in Washington State, so if you're not going to see one around the Midwest. All right, Melinda Myers. Any final words you'd like to to have here before we uh, let you go? Um, I'm going to put a request to all your avid gardeners out there listening. Help the newbies. We want to keep those new gardeners coming back. And if you're a new gardener listening, keep coming back. Every season, there are new challenges, new opportunities, and lots of success. Hopefully, you found the joy in gardening. But please help share that joy with others. You know, kids right now are very stressed. Gardening is good for them. Help them, whether they're Mm -hmm. homeschooling or going into school wearing masks all day. Get them to plant some bulbs this fall. Plant some herbs in a windowsill garden. Grow a ZZ plant. Everyone will be successful. <laughs> Do some microgreens. They're simple. Ex- oh, and they're fast. Good point. And nutritious. And don't tell them they're nutritious. And <laughs> they'll never know, and they'll keep eating them. So Ex- Well, and, and when you grow stuff indoors, like with your Happy Leaf LED grow lights, uh, it's so much yes. fun. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Peggy. Uh, it's so much fun <laughs> to to watch that grow. We've we're gonna we had a crop going well into the summer, and we're gonna start again uh, now in the fall. It's gonna and we, we you know you can do a whole salad from a, a few mason jars sitting on a shelf. Exactly. And it's a good experiment. It's science lessons, math lessons, and just good for the mind, body, and spirit. So, you know, help those newbies, help your kids get through these stressful times or any youth in your life and keep gardening because it's going to make us all happy and we'll be much better off for it. Okay. I'm going to do something right now just to make sure we're cool here. Uh, Sherry Doyle, uh, or Doyle, sorry. Uh, Are you there? I don't see you on the screen. I just want to make sure. Yes, you are. Great. That's good to know. And uh, and Lisa, I hope uh, I'm going to be popping up something for you. So I was just making sure that Sherry uh, is there. So we're ready for the next segment. So everybody stand by. Melinda Myers. Again, go to Melinda Myers, M-Y-E-R-S dot com. You are the best. Um, And by the way, there was a weird thing that popped up. I got a Google alert about how you were going to be on our show oh wait this is was so funny <laughs> and now i'm off okay <laughs> no 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 this oh, is the, okay the part of it that was just hilarious was oh that's that no the one not the one that has you over 30 years of experience it says the second sunday of each month between now and december horticultural expert melinda meyer returns to the show <laughs> i went <laughs> no is this a trick mike <laughs> Wait, is this a Oh, we forgot to tell you, but... No, (laughs) that's not how it works. It actually was running two two sentences together. One of them referred to the segment we're doing next, so uh, that's why it showed up. But don't worry, you have not committed yourself to something you... uh... (laughs) I will come back, but not every second Sunday. I love you guys. But but I I get it. There are limits. Uh, Even if we bring the cinnamon rolls? Wait a minute. Uh, thank yeah, you. but they're there. That's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Melinda Myers, thank you so much. You have a, a great Sunday, and, and we'll talk real soon. Sounds good, you guys. Take care. Thanks so much for letting me be part of your show. Oh, thank you so much for being part of 3.0, or I don't know, 2.0, 3.0, whatever. whatever. It is, but right? so far, I'm knocking, I'm knocking on wood here. It's doing okay. All right, we'll talk to you later. Uh, that is, There take she goes. Care. Melinda Myers and uh, Peggy and I. Uh, are going to take a short break, and we will be right back. It's the Mike Novak Show with 
Peggy Malecki. Whether you have a garden, a farm, or grow houseplants, you need microbial buddies to reconnect you to nature. The folks at Blazing Star sell probiotics from industry leader Tinyo Biologicals, which means they sell good soil biology, which means they maximize soil biodiversity. That results in healthy soil and healthy plants. Tinyo beneficial microbial soil components will add a major boost to depleted soils. Go to blazing-star.com and check out their BioGarden line for home gardeners. There's a new urgency for people to grow their own food, and thanks to Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, your seedlings will be healthier with a better germination rate and faster growth. You'll get lower operating costs and higher yields. That's because the wavelengths are tuned to your plant's needs. They have a 50,000-plus-hour minimum lifespan, and they're made in America. Go to MikeNovak.net for the code to save 5% on your purchase, and go to HappyLeafLED.com to get more information. Happy Leaf, it's about the light. You can reduce your household garbage 30% by the simple act of composting. But I live in a condo or an apartment, you say. Well, if you're in the Chicago area, contact Collective Resource Compost. They give you a fresh 5-gallon bucket or a 32-gallon neighbor tote if you're working with your community. You fill it with food scraps, they swap it out on a regular schedule, and voila! You're returning organic matter back to the soil instead of creating harmful methane in a landfill. Go to collectiveresource.us. They make composting easy. Welcome to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a swipson of humor. Or is that a dash? Brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root, and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good tools to make me music, porches, lawn serene. Give me all that I And welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And I thought I hit, see, I, there we go. I'm even here. Uh, you haven't seen that yet, Peggy. That's our new uh, uh, second segment intro there with some of your photos and some of my photos um wait let me turn on your uh hold on there you go got your audio on i said i recognize that squash but i'm never going to lose that photo of me and the reindeer antlers am i no you're not (laughs) (laughs) that's like you in the bee suit Uh, that's it that those are there's some things that just stick with you forever and you cannot get rid of them and um they uh, they will be uh, at your uh, funeral as well. They will be, you know, on the on the the the, the board they put up with all the pictures of you from yeah, yeah the uh, montage yeah, yeah the montage and it's just uh, it's, ju- <laughs> it's 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 just terrifying. Uh, let's that will br- be the last time I cross my eyes on a photo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let us bring in uh, our guests uh, right away, uh, and there she is, uh, Sherry. I have to ask you, and I meant to ask you before the show: Is it pronounced Doyle or Doyle? Doyle. Doyle. Okay, so I, d- I did get it right the first time. I just we, we spell it a little funny. It's spelled phonetically, but it's still pronounced Doyle. Okay, and our our other guest here, we tried to get uh, the video connection earlier, and it was a little rough. So Lisa Kiverest, who has been on our show uh, uh, several times, uh, are you with us, Lisa? Hey, hi. Good. Uh, the audio sounds good now, so uh, this is what we're going to go with. <laughs> 
at at least as 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 much as we can, which is a good thing we have Sherry uh, with us too, uh, uh, who has a slightly better internet connection. And and what I'm going to suggest to one of you, because I'm getting a little bit of feedback, is if you have your volume up really loud, take it down, and then we won't get that quite just low enough so you can hear me, and and not high enough so that it uh, bounces back. There we go. Um, Sherry was a guest on the show way back in the day. We're talking like a decade ago. Down the dial. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, at uh, Progresso Radio, like the soup. And um, and she, uh, at the time, was at, or- at Angelic Organics Learning Center. Uh, but now uh, she is the director of of McHenry County College's brand spanking new Center for Agrarian Learning. And I don't know if you saw the blog, but I was kind of, you know, I shouldn't pat myself on the back or I'll break my arm. Uh, (laughs) But I just thought the idea that we could teach people to walk like an agrarian was actually kind of fun. So do you like that idea, Sherry? That's very good. I like that idea. So you you may steal it. Uh, if you need okay, to thank you. walk yeah. like an walk like an agrarian, walk like an agrarian. Um, and uh, With- tell us about that. Uh, you know, I, I should preface this because Peggy and I each year um, try to get to um, the Green Living Expo at McHenry mm-hmm. County College. And we love it. And Kim Hankins has just done a fantastic job of putting that together. And it was uh, a, a real shame uh, that it couldn't be done in the year of COVID um, because um, each year you could watch it grow. I don't know how many you've been a part of, but just uh, hundreds of people would come and be part of this. And there, and as I always say, there's, there's something in the water in McHenry County because people get it. They, they, <laughs> they are really tuned in, um, to uh, the environment. Uh, so now when I hear you're doing this uh, program at McHenry, I'm very excited about it. It sounds unique. I don't know if it is unique, but uh, tell us about the Center for Agrarian Learning. Sure. So um, you're right that uh, McHenry County is a pretty special place. And for those, uh, you know, we're about... 60 to 70 miles northwest of uh, Chicago. And um, when I, so I've been uh, at this job for about a year and we launched our public programs in January of 2020. And part of the reason that I was um, excited to join the college is because the county uh, already had demonstrated a real, um, uh, fundamental interest in not just agriculture in general, but also in uh, innovations in agriculture, uh, innovations in how to, you know, make a living on a smaller piece of land, as well as a very robust agritourism industry. And then, like you said, the, um, you know, the McHenry County Conservation District, Soil and Water, the Land Conservancy, there's already several nonprofits and agencies in the county that are doing really good conservation work, conservation uh, that is tied to agriculture. So it, it's a place where um, you're you're far enough away from the city that there's a lot of land, um, but there's also a lot of uh, 
people that are hungry for healthy food, locally produced food. And so we, we feel like we're positioned really well to have an impact on the food economy, um, both because, because we are situated in this sort of middle zone uh, between supply and demand. Um, we, we refer to Chicago as the very hungry mouth of Chicago. Um, and the eaters in the Chicago food shed uh, support a lot of uh, farmers in McHenry County and beyond. Um, so, so that's the exciting thing about the county and the college, it's very unique, Mike, to answer your question. So for, for a community college to step into this space um, is unusual, um, specifically because the Center for Agrarian Learning, if you think of it as sort of a, an entity within the college, it has a little bit of an outward face. So it's a little, it's <laughs> education for farmers and food business owners. We're really hoping to do a lot of convening of um, thinkers and doers in the food system, whether it be through the workshop format or small conferences. Um, today, we're gonna be talking about our forefront speaker series. So the center really wants to create a space not only to roll out our own programs that support uh, farmers and business owners, but also to bring folks to us so we can host events that, that other people, you know, it's the brainchild that they're bringing. Um, and then the other piece I can talk about, I can do that now or later, is the new entrepreneurial ag degree at the college, which is very much a part of um, the center and a part of how we see um, Farmers as mentors and learners coming together with um, people who want to get an associate's degree in entrepreneurial ag and are just getting started. So we have these sort of two pieces that we, we think will uh, be robust, hopefully have a positive Im impact. Well, you're one of the okay. people. Yes, Peggy. Uh, we're getting a little bit of broadcast interrupted on Facebook. I'm just letting you know that right now. Okay. The video just got lost. Um, okay. But I think we're back. Just letting you know that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're experiencing some buffering problems here and, yeah. uh, we're going to uh, plow through them, uh, best we can. Um, and, um, uh, it, it, it is what it is right now. It's like, yep. uh, it's, it's the learning curve here. It's all part of it, you know, and, uh, and it's it, actually rural broadband too. So this is the reality of what people talk about with rural access. Well, it, it's also uh, Sunday morning, and everybody uh, on the internet for church and and uh, streaming oh, um, right. all, at, at ten a.m. I think some things change a little bit. I think that's when a lot of folks get on there. So we'll we'll we're we're going to get through this best we can. So you you mentioned your forefront speaker series, which is part of the the center uh, and uh, the Center for Agrarian Learning, um, and. You have a bunch of things happening. Uh, you have through the end of the year, you're going to have three things starting next week uh, on Sunday, October 11th, which is why we wanted to uh, talk today. Uh, tell us a little bit about the series, and then we'll get to uh, Lisa, who is going to be uh, appearing uh, in yes. the first of these uh, talks and events. Sure. So the series is called Forefront Ideas in Food and Farming. So with, with all of our programming, we really want to be connecting this idea of production and consumption. So food and farming. And uh, we're this is a, a bigger idea talk series. 
So it's the second Sunday of uh, the month, October, November, and December. And Lisa and a panel of uh, great uh, female um, farmers are going to be featured on October 11th, the first one. So that's just next weekend. Um, but we're, we're bringing in speakers um, to talk across the spectrum um, in terms of, you know, it could be about vegetable production, it could be about um, rotational grazing, topics could be about, um, you know, business startup, uh, business both in the food and farming sector. So uh, we, we started this last uh, winter and we got two sessions in before uh, the pandemic and we had to postpone. Um, and we had a really good uh, response to those uh, last winter. So we're optimistic about this fall and it'll be interesting to have them in a webinar format because it actually can draw from a much wider uh, region. Yeah, and um, it starts, as you said, with uh, Soil Sisters next week, how women are changing the food system. Uh, and then um, on November 15th, uh, about a month later, whole grain supply chain. Um, uh -huh. And uh, what what is that going to be about, very briefly? Um, briefly, it's about uh, a food system dietitian, a farmer, and a baker, all of whom work with, in their various ways, uh, artisanal grains. And they're going to talk about um, the challenges and successes they've had working with different kinds of grains in their businesses. All right. And then finally, on December 13th, regenerative agriculture details of a profitable journey. I assume that uh, you're going to uh, attempt to convince people that being kind to the earth is not uh, necessarily a losing proposition. Right. Yeah. We have Gabe Brown coming in from North Dakota and he, uh, you know, on 5,000 acres uh, has changed his bottom line through his uh, regenerative practices. So that's something that applies to both grazers uh, and large scale farmers, as well as gardeners. So he, he has some six principles of regenerative uh, growing that he's going to talk about that uh, can be on lots of different scales. Peggy, did you have your hand up, Peggy? No, no, I was unmuting my microphone. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going on on Facebook right now. That's okay. Uh, it's okay. Um, and uh, so let's get to Lisa, Lisa Kiverist, uh, who has uh, also been on our show in the past. Uh, she has uh, uh, done the uh, award-winning winning, um, Soil Sisters uh, farm tour in southern Wisconsin. She's the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. Um, and uh, has been uh, also coordinates uh, the In Her Boots Women Farmer Training Initiative for the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service. A lot of you know that as Moses. Um, and uh, they also, uh, the first time I met Lisa was, was, was when she was on our show to uh, talk about Homemade for Sale, which she wrote with her husband, John Ivanko. Um, so uh, welcome, Lisa. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's it's full throttle harvest time here in Wisconsin. Ah. Yeah. You know, I don't know how uh, an activist, uh, and you are, you do a lot of different things, how you manage to do everything uh, all at once. Hey, as, as you and 
Peggy have to eat, right? So we got to get that done first and then uh, everything on top. But, but no, it's a beautiful <laughs> Sunday morning here in Wisconsin. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh-huh. Well, it's, it's pretty beautiful down here today, although it's going to get cold tonight as it will up in Wisconsin, right? Yeah, we're going to get our first hard frost, I believe. Yeah. Oh, uh, so that uh, that means uh, you're going to do this and then probably head out uh, to the farm <laughs> to get stuff done, right? You bet. Um, okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you uh, hope to accomplish uh, next week. Uh, uh, who's going to be uh, working with you and how are you going to um, uh, approach the uh, Soil Sisters, how women are changing the food system? Thank you. Excellent. Yeah, so we are so excited to be the kickoff to Sherry's series Mm -hmm. here of, I love the idea of Forefront because the women we will be bringing to the virtual space are doing innovative things pre-pandemic. And that's really a Mm -hmm. big message amongst women in sustainable and organic agriculture for years now is doing things differently. So we have um, a great trio of women who have their hands in the soil, but like the title speaks of Soil Sisters, we have our hands in the soil, but our arms around each other because it's a really collaborative movement farmers today. So Ethel Morris here, not far from me in Southern Wisconsin is a organic vegetable grower, but her innovation is she has founded and leads the South Central Wisconsin Hemp Cooperative, mm-hmm. organic yeah. hemp cooperative in the state, uh, but really pioneer. Talk about being a pioneer farmer and the world of hemp. That's a whole other story, but she took it on and navigates it with grace and integrity and leadership new paths and then beth osmond and her family at cedar valley sustainable farm in ottawa illinois they were the first meet csa in illinois now years ago and i think she'd be the first to say she's glad she's not the option and how do you try out new things and bring other farms along and dulce is an urban farmer in chicago who's establishing new farmers markets in areas of chicago primarily mexican neighborhoods that need some more in there so I'm really excited to tap into their energy and ideas of how do we keep new ideas along with collaboration in our food system and change things and come out of the pandemic, not only different, but stronger. And and how you're maintaining community through the whole thing as well. Oh, totally, Peggy. And, and that's what I think is really unique in my world of working with women in sustainable ag is, yeah, we really embrace the sea of community, the sea of collaboration and, uh, and all those good things where we realize we're stronger together. And you see that it, it defies traditional business models, right? If I was in a business school saying I was sharing my information, how I learned farming, my ups and downs and challenges with somebody else who's going to be doing the same thing. That that seems silly. That seems stupid. Why would you do that? But but we realize we're strong, stronger. And when we moved to, here to Greene County in southern Wisconsin now over 20 years ago, for example, we were the only farm state, bed and breakfast on our farm. And now we have over a dozen, mostly other women farmer-led uh, uh, out of our Soul Sisters network. And that's awesome. That's not competition. We're a destination now. And and we did that all together by supporting each other. And that's how things are going to change. Yeah. The Soil Sisters being an annual, except for this year, unfortunately, being an annual farm tour and, and major event that keeps growing. Yeah, we were really, really bummed to 
have to postpone this year, the first weekend in August now for eight years, we've had Mm -hmm. what has grown to be the largest women in its kind in the country here in southern Wisconsin. So a warm invite to hopefully join us next year for a weekend of uh, farm tours and culinary events and on-farm workshops, all on women-owned farms and really experiences to get up close and personal with, with both your farmer and your food source and beautiful rural Wisconsin. Uh, I will ask, you, you talk about the changes, but women working and running farms is is somewhat new, but it's not in another way because women have always been involved in farms. What has changed in the equation? <laughs> the oldest thing, right? Women have been growing food, feeding their families and communities since the dawn of modern agriculture, right? We're talking hundreds, thousands of years. But interestingly, it's really over the last 40, 50 years that women have achieved political and economic rights in farming. And that's what we'll be talking about more, too, at the Soul Sisters session next Sunday is how fast things have changed and how important that is that women, not just in agriculture, but all industries are recognized for their work. And it wasn't until the 70s, for example, that the United States agricultural, right? All farmers are counted and how much is in production. And that's really important data because it's what drives the farm bill, drives policy, drives funding. It wasn't until the late 1970s that women were counted. And the agricultural census. The agricultural census, correct, yeah. Yes, so, sorry, um, you dropped out when you said what it was. Oh, so uh, yeah, it's different it. than the, the people census we have going on now. It's specifically for farming, but the ag census had one spot for the name of the farm owner, and that traditionally went to the male head of household. So to the USDA's credit, they realize it's not just women, but we have a more diverse face of farming now that we need to capture. So the latest ag census that went out had seven spots, I believe, for farm owners. So to reflect, you know, family partnerships and siblings and spouses and and all sorts of different ways we're farming. So 70s that that happened and things have escalated since then, which is really a theme you'll hear, I'm sure, next Sunday, too, of the need for women in agriculture to continue on this leadership front. I mean, these changes, they need drive, they need vision, they need people behind them. And we still are exceptionally underrepresented as women in the agriculture leadership realm at the policy planning table at deciding where they're going to go. So it's really inspiring to see women like like Dulce and Abel and Beth who are taking things further and stepping up to those leadership levels. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, and, and as uh, <laughs> Sherry mentioned earlier, we also have that need for a strong Internet in rural communities. Uh, <laughs> although I, I will say that the, uh, the uh, street has uh oh there's uh our, our mr demayo is uh is calling in right now and uh i'm assuming rick is going to be with us here and i'm hoping that uh he he's there and he can hear us and so we will get to him shortly um so not only that are you doing these in uh the month 
of uh, uh, October, November, and December, Sherry. But moving into the new year, uh, you've got uh, more initiatives at uh, MCC. What are those? True. So um, this year, uh, in addition to Forefront, we have the uh, we do have a film screening um, based on Henry Brockman's farm. He's a cornerstone um, vendor at the Evanston Farmers Market, and we're doing that's called. Seasons of Change at Henry's Farm uh, with a conversation uh, afterwards with the filmmaker, uh, Inez Sommet and author Tara Brockman. So we're doing that in collaboration with the Land Conservancy. So that's November 12th, 6 p.m. And then in the 2020 year in January, we have a lot going on. So we're bringing um, Atina Diffley in uh, through Family Farmed to do a workshop on record keeping and crop planning. And the great lens on that is that, uh, especially with the pandemic, uh, farmers who have the facility to switch gears quickly um, are the ones that are doing well and surviving. And a lot of times that decision-making process is based on good record keeping. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have a four-part series uh, with Atina in January. Um, And then we are also doing a series called All Things Hemp, uh, in collaboration with Rachel Berry of the um, Illinois Hemp Association, so that will cover production and also some marketing uh, in the in the new new hemp industry. I'm... We're looking for, and I just want to say real quick, Lisa did a great job um, emphasizing the importance of our panelists and and their innovations. But Lisa herself is is such an example um, of not just leadership, but you know, she's a boots on the ground and an ideas person, as well as involved in lots of education and agencies. So I hope people can tune in to see how Lisa has crafted her livelihood um, from all these different pieces that are um, from being an author to a business owner to um, an advocate. So I'm really looking forward to Soil Sisters. And we have a lot going on all through uh through uh, January is planned up to up till right now. I'm I'm really impressed with what you've put together. Now, obviously, this is all online, um, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, as we continue to work our way through uh, the pandemic, uh, is there anything you want to tell people about that? Uh, we have the link to the Forefront Speaker Series uh, on the website. You can go to mikenovak.net. Um, and uh, that information is there. But if folks uh, are interested in dropping in and seeing these, and, and you're going to, I mean, it's, it just sounds wonderful, like uh, that this is, th- these are, go ahead, Sherry. It's easy to, it's easy to plug in on our, our webpage, mchenry.edu slash forefront. You'll find the links. Um, you do have to register through brown paper tickets, which is easy, but they are free. So that's another thing to mention is these are two hour speaker series that are uh, free and will be on Zoom webinar format. Okay. Uh, and before we go here, I just want to ask uh, Lisa, what has it been like for you as a farm? We, we've had a number of farmers on the show. I have to, I have to say, uh, Sherry, that uh, you listed all these people who are going to be there and pretty much every one of them has been on our show lately. Uh, and I'm very proud of that. Um, yeah. And Lisa, We've asked a lot of farmers this year what it's been like to get through this pandemic, and I'm going to ask you the same question. 
Well, personally for us, it's been all about diversification. Unfortunately, for years since we got here, because for example, the, the B&B and farm stay side I mentioned is something we needed to close down this year, given COVID safety concerns, ethical issues of travel, pump up some other things and do more local produce sales and other outlets as well as just bunkering down and living lean on the farm. But that has to do again with the resilience factor. We run our farm on renewable energy. Mm-hmm or another bill we don't have to pay to the utilities. So the diversification really helps a lot. And I see that in other farms too, where if you don't put all your eggs in one basket, if some eggs need to crack, you can still make a good. It's been tough. It's been tough and inspiring at the same time to see the creative ideas coming out of sustainable ag. Some farmers have said uh, they actually have done better this year than in past years. I think it kind of depends what your focus was. Uh, Where are you on that scale? Are you one of the farmers that did better? Uh, Is it about the same or has it just been uh, a struggle? I would say about the same in the sense that things even out. Uh, For us, the agritourism side was a gap. But the fact that what what you're saying, Mike, that there has been – even stronger interest in the local food scene has been awesome and really supported farmers who have already been set up for doing that. So some farms, for example, that might've had primary wholesale markets at restaurants have had a tougher year, but again, with some creativity could pivot to more local sales. I see a lot of folks in urban areas buying extra freezers right now so they can stock up on produce, on meat, on all of that. So to the bigger picture and the need for us all to pivot, it's going to make our local food system more vibrant, I believe, because mm-hmm. people are realizing the consequences of industrial ag and more importantly, are having opportunities to connect locally with their farmers. Yeah, you know, exactly. pe- people in r- rural rural areas are not the only ones buying freezers, okay? And that's one of the things that's happened. And uh, Sherry and, and Lisa, I think with the pandemic, and, and I'm not the first person to say this, and, I, and I've been saying it for months anyway, is it's exposed so much uh, inequity in our country, in our food system, in our health care, and on and on, that uh, there need to be changes made. The the biggest waste of 210,000 lives would be if nothing changed after we found a way to deal with uh, the COVID virus. So that would be the ultimate insult to those people who died. So I'm hoping that what we're seeing now is actually transformative. There's no way of knowing but I hope it is. Uh, Sherry Doyle, thank you so much. Uh, go to go to my website, uh, uh, or you can go to www.mchenry.edu uh, slash cal, C-A-L, and find more information. And uh, Lisa Kivers, thank you for your great work. It's always a pleasure having you on the show, and uh, keep it up. It's important. Thank, thank you. you so much. And uh, we have meteorologist Rick DeMaio coming up, I think. Uh, I'm Standing pretty, by, waiting in the wings. Well, let's, let's find out, okay? Let's, uh, let's, let's turn on the audio. There, are you there, Rick? I'm here, Mike, waiting in the wings. Wow. There he is. How about it? We got it to work. Te- texting, and you texted photos next to the lake this morning. 
Yeah, just saw some of those. Um, hang on. Uh, Rick DeMaio, meteorologist Rick DeMaio is next. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki, and we'll be, we'll be right back. We continue to live in interesting and challenging times. As we've learned over the past few months, something as important as tree care can be made much more difficult by unexpected events like the COVID-19 pandemic. Bartlett Tree Experts understands that and has made safety their number one consideration. But that's not surprising because safety has always been their number one concern and will continue to be their concern as we move into the next phase of this crisis. Something else we've learned over this time is that people love their trees and from a safe distance have been eager to talk to Bartlett Arborist representatives, whether from the safety of their porch or through a window or over the phone. They also know that Bartlett can make outside areas safer from ticks, which are having a banner year thanks to a mild winter. Bottom line, the folks at Bartlett Tree Experts want to say thank you to their customers for loving their trees and understanding that every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. The world has changed. A year ago, you were growing food because it was fun. Now it's important. That's why you need Happy Leaf LED grow lights. Thanks to the best science, the wavelengths are tuned to your plant's needs. They're versatile, they're elegant, they have a five-year warranty, and they're made in America. Peggy and I are huge fans. Go to MikeNovak.net for the code to save 5% on your purchase. Go to HappyLeafLED.com to get more information. Happy Leaf, it's about the light. The folks at Blazing Star know that good soil biology means good soil. That's why they sell products from trusted industry leader Tinyo that contain more than 30 species of beneficial bacteria and fungi chosen for their critical roles in soil and plant health. In other words, whether you're a farmer or a backyard gardener, they help you grow the life in your soil so your soil can grow your plants. Go to blazing-star.com and check out their BioGarden line for home gardeners. And I say, oh, yeah, I love clean air and fresh water on solid ground, right where I can stand. And I say, oh, yeah, give me the flora and the fauna that's a non-negotiable demand. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. That's our friend VR Sarti, uh, and a, a great theme for this program. And uh, now, without much deliberation, let's bring in meteorologist Rick DeMaio. How you doing this morning, Rick? Yeah, how you doing, Mike? You know, you were talking about um, social inequity. How about how about brain inequity? I think, if anything, this pandemic has showed that. There's still a lot of idiots out there who doesn't want to understand science. And I want to thank the president of the United States for making everybody who trusts the science. Basically, we're validated now, aren't we? <laughs> uh, there's something to be said about that. It, it is uh, it's, a lot to be said about that. Yeah. Well, you know, you're a scientist and and you get it. I'm not a scientist, but I'm as frustrated as you have been over the past few months and the lack of a plan. And now we understand. But you trust, but you trust science, right? When you hear there's a winter storm warning, you don't go, you know what? I can beat it with my car. And then you slide off into the ditch. And what's the first thing your parents <laughs> tell you? I told you so, right? <laughs> it's always it's always the boneheaded people who think that they're bigger and better than Mother Nature that end up being affected by it most. And boy, this has come back 
to nail him. Do I want him to get better? Sure. I want him to get better a day after he loses the election. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, you're... Go ahead, Peggy. I'm one of about 80 million that probably feel that way, too, so I'm not afraid to speak my mind. No, that was you, the theme of Saturday Night Live last night, actually. Uh, was it? I missed. Yeah, I, I did. I didn't. I, I, I missed it, but I know that I just saw a little bit of Chris Rock's opening. He said, uh, "You know, my thoughts and prayers out to uh, the Trump family, and my heart goes out to COVID." I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I meant to watch it, and then I was, I was working on putting this stuff together, and in, in about, um, about eleven o'clock, I thought, oh. Saturday Night Live is on. Yeah, it's uh, and, on YouTube. You can catch it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back yeah. and, and watch the opening and and see what that was yeah, all I, about. I did my normal watch the opening and spent the rest of that half hour watching reruns on MeTV. That always seems to ground me. <laughs> <laughs> well, because on MeTV it's at a time when there was no pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there were other things going on. But we dealt with them, right? We talked about. It. I mean, it wasn't exactly the perfect way of going about things back in the '60s and early '70s. But, you know, we didn't have state-run TV, nor did we have uh, a potential autocrat in the office. So, you know, things are much different now, and it's amazing how, you know, people go about their, their daily business. So uh, when I go back on the campus, uh, Lewis University on Tuesday, we're going to be doing everything that we normally do on Tuesday, which is we have the kids tested, we sit six feet apart, they sit in the same seating arrangement so that if someone tests positive, we know who, who was there and when, and we all walk around and we wear masks. And so far, we've been doing a pretty good job of, of remaining safe and keeping the kids safe because that's what it's all about. You can go about opening things up, but you've got to do it in a responsible way, not the reckless way. Uh, I, I absolutely agree, and uh, I'm glad that you guys are figuring out a way to do it. I think uh, any indoors is a little dicey right now, but uh, if you're smart about it, I suppose it can work. Um, you know, I'm, uh, but I'm not in a situation where I have to do, I'm not in a situation where I actually have to leave my house pretty much any time. Yeah. yeah, you're lucky. You're lucky. Trust me, it's not easy standing up three classes in a row of an hour and 45 minutes with a mask on. It is not easy. Uh, but it's also, you know, it's also not easy to order that third Manhattan when you know that the, that the first two tasted good and the third one's going to make you drive <laughs> off the road. It's, it's called, it's called being responsible. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm, I'm backing off my audio, Peggy. It's okay. You can just say if I'm a little hot there, I'll, uh, is that better, Peg? <laughs> a little better. Yeah. Uh, something changed. Okay. All right. All right. It's, 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 uh, uh, but you know, getting so back I'm, to, I'm, I'm dr- done fuming. I'm done fuming. <laughs> no. And, 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 you know, driving off the road too. the other part of the science is pump your brakes. Don't, don't slam on them. Okay. That's no. science. That's, that's science yeah. as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Spe- I mean, bullies don't like being told what they do, but every once in a while, the, the small guy with the, with the pen, you know, gets the last statement. In. And by the way, I don't know if anybody knows this, but um, when the senators vote on the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett, you have to be present. So with Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins saying they're not going to vote, and now with Ron Johnson and this other guy from North Carolina um, having come down with the virus, that's four people who are not voting. Right now, Lindsey Graham doesn't have the votes. Mike Lee as well uh, from yeah, Utah. So there's, there's Mike like, Lee as well. Yeah, there five, you go. There's yeah. five. You don't have the votes. They don't have the votes based on the pandemic. So not only is the pandemic impacting the presidency, but it's also impacting this. And well, even though Amy Coney Barrett has had the virus before, um, 
she can get it again because she was in the Rose Garden being reckless, right? And that would be that would be the ultimate dagger in Trump's chest is not only losing but also not getting his beloved um, his beloved Supreme Court pick on there, the one that he's ramming through. Whatever yeah. happened to the word delay, delay, delay? Right, boy. Yeah. You know. Wow. All right, I'm I'm off myself. Okay, so, Sorry so, about okay that. so I'm going to bridge this here. So speaking of delaying versus moving forward. What do we have to worry about with our plants tonight and frost? Oh, God, freeze. yeah, Peg, we're under a frost advisory. Um, it's, it was put out by the National Weather Service. They're the ones who are, remember, in charge of science. You can't go back and change the forecast. Um, <laughs> but the National Weather Service issued um, frost advisory, and that's about normal for this time of the year. It's usually about the first week uh, of October um, in northern sections of Illinois, a little bit later as you head down to the lakefront. Uh, but what's mm-hmm. interesting, if you look at on the National Weather Service website, uh, it doesn't have anything for Cook County. And I, I wish they would be able to kind of partition the county uh, with their warnings or with their advisories um, for this. And I, and, I, and I know that they do it with like winter storm watches as well. They have like something for northern Cook and central Cook and southern mm-hmm. Cook. But this is going to be a big deal for people who live in far western and northwestern Cook County around Barrington. Um, you're going to have frost tonight. Those folks closer to the urban heat island, generally, I would say east of interstate, uh, probably 94 and 294, most likely the urban heat island, maybe a little bit of a wind off the lake may help. But the bottom line, it's just a frost. It's not a hard freeze. Yeah. Um, and then we'll warm up pretty quickly um, as we head into the week. So uh, what's amazing about this pattern is it has resembled somewhat of the pattern that we think we might be in uh, during the upcoming winter with the fact that La Nina has actually strengthened across the Pacific Ocean. Uh, The temperatures across the North Pacific have remained rather warm. So if we continue that bubble of high pressure over the Northern Pacific, push the jet stream up over the top of Alaska and into Western sections of the United States, the pattern that we're in right now looks like it may be the pattern uh, for maybe the next month and a half to two months, you know, things always kind of change a little bit as you head into the core of your winter season. I mean, just look at how this past summer started out. We started out with a deep trough over the Rocky Mountains. It seemed like it didn't want to go away. We had near record rainfall in the month of um, April and May. And then we got into June and things kind of began to quiet down. And then all of a sudden, July and August, we went hot and we went dry. So this is yeah. one of those things, Mike and Peg, where we talk often about you cannot just take a winter forecast or a summer forecast and say this is what it's going to be for the entire summer. There's two halves, there's four quarters, but it definitely looks like the first half of the upcoming, uh, well, well, I guess we'll say the second half of the upcoming fall season or the one that we're in right now, and the first half of the winter season could feature one where you have these strong jet streams basically moving from the northwest to the southeast, delivering pockets of cool air, and probably not a lot in the way of moisture. So again, typically when you get into this northwesterly flow, you end up with more of these polar air masses uh, and eventually these Alberta clippers, which obviously brings snow, but that's something, something that we're going to be looking at for quite some time. But it definitely looks a lot different than what we had last October when we started out hot and we ended up incredibly wet and very cool by the end of the month. And snow on Halloween, yes. Yeah, that was, well, you know, and and part of that, Peg, I think was also due to the fact that we were tapping into air uh, that came off the Arctic. And because the Arctic is now even less ice than it was last year, 
Um, the jet stream is able to get a little bit further north when it comes out of the Pacific Ocean, and oftentimes that means early cold snaps uh, for parts of for parts of the eastern Great Lakes and into uh, New England. So yeah, that that pattern that we were in last year that had the snow on Halloween uh, was basically due to that type of a setup. So again, these are the things that we're learning about. These are trends. These are not set in stone. This is science on the go, but on the go in a very, very slow way. So people have to understand when you're looking at a forecast long term, the idea of long term is you're going to have bits and pieces of within that long term that are going to represent nothing like the actual forecast. And oftentimes people go, you told me it was going to be this, but now it's this. What happened to your forecast long term? Um, that means that people who have good health can still end up in the hospital every once in a while. All right, I yeah. just I just popped a map up, uh, Rick. Uh, that, I wondered where we went. Yeah, yeah, I popped a map up that you sent us uh, yesterday, I think, um, and it's the eight to fourteen day temperature probability outlook, and it shows that it doesn't reflect the cold and the jet streams coming down, but it represents the warmth that we're going to experience over the next couple of weeks. Do you want to talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, yeah, and that and that's basically more the shorter term because when you get into these ridges of high pressure over the Rocky Mountains this time of the year, you can still have a lot of warm weather. So what we're getting is we're getting a lot of this dry downslope flow. Um, and if you notice the last map on there is the drought monitor. And man, Mike and Peg, there are huge areas of the Rocky Mountains uh, from Montana all the way through Colorado that are incredibly dry. Yeah. Um, and as we get into you know, the drier part of the season, the only precipitation you begin to really get of any of any great, if you want to call it substance from a standpoint of how it can evaporate or evaporate, uh, saturate the soil is basically snow that can melt. But when you start getting the snow that basically gets caught up in the higher elevated, uh, the higher ele elevated areas and never really melts into the springtime, you can have some of this drought that's going on now continue um, through the winter season, and this can actually set you up even for a more significant drought and heat wave next year. So we talk about this all the time. When you get into these heat waves and droughts, it's not just a single season. It's usually multiple seasons that add up to one. So the concern is if we stay dry for the next month and a half to two months across the Rocky Mountains, this is not good as we head into the winter season because if you don't replenish that moisture into the subsoil moisture now, uh, that sets the stage for what appears to be, you know, dry conditions through the winter as well. But at least the next seven to 10 days and six to 10 and the next eight to 14 days, temperatures at or near normal for the first half of the month of October. Uh, you wouldn't know it now. It's pretty chilly. And I just took my dog down to the beach and we had a spirited walk with 42 <laughs> degree air temperatures and 20 mile an hour winds um, and whitecaps on Lake Michigan and lake effect clouds on the other side of the lake. Uh, but this is this is good weather. This is typical what you get in the month of October. Lots of ups and downs. I've always said uh, that beginning part or that middle of September into the end of October around here, you have some of the most extreme temperature variations. Just to put it into perspective, normal high September 1st, 69. Normal high November 1st is 39. So that's Yikes. a 30 degree difference. Yeah, 30 Burr. degree difference over 60 days. And what happens three weeks from now, November 1st, we go, to, we go to standard time and sunset on November 1st is 4.45 in the afternoon. 
Yeah, it no, goes it goes no, quickly. No, no, it no, goes no. quickly. <laughs> I know. Sorry, I mentioned it. You know, and I've got the uh, I've got the temperature map, but now I've also got the drought map up there that you're referring to. And if you look at uh, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and parts of New Mexico, this just crazy Texas dry. There, yeah. yeah, a little yeah. bit of temp- yeah. I mean, Las Vegas, Las Vegas hasn't had. Um, Measurable rain since April 20th. This is their longest streak ever, over wow. 160 days without rain. Um, and the only reason why Southern California wasn't too bad with the last uh, bout of heat and dry weather is they actually had fairly good rainfall uh, in the spring and parts of the summertime. Uh, but other than that, you look at Northern California and the rest of the Pacific Northwest and Rocky Mountains, and it, it's pretty dry. And people out there um, are, are very well aware of what happens when you go into the wintertime. Most of your precip is in the form of snow, and that stuff will evaporate before it will melt into the ground. So they're concerned. And and if you look at the map, even even in the northern tier, it sort of goes across, with the exception of Wisconsin and parts of Michigan, um, it, yeah. there's a little bit of drought all the way across the northern tier of the United States. And some ex- yeah, even New Hampshire, Maine. Yeah, in Massachusetts. That's oh surprising. my God! Yeah, you you look at parts of New England, and they have been incredibly dry through this past summer. Uh, but you know what? You never really get too worried about those areas because they they can make it up in a matter of a week or two. Uh, but one thing I've noticed, and I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but um, the yellows um, have been really brilliant in some of the mimosas and the sugar maples. Uh, the reds are beginning to come out, so the fall foliage mm-hmm. season. Um, I think we talked about this last week, looks to be on track to be one of the better ones, um, I think, in the last 10 years due to the fact that we had a lot of moisture early. Uh, the leaves had a tremendous amount of, I guess you can say, you know, hardiness. They had a lot of subsoil moisture that was able to get them through the drought. And now you get this early spell of, you know, cold weather on top of the dry conditions that we've had. Uh, and some of the fall foliage reports I've seen from Wisconsin and parts of the Midwest um, are, are pretty good. The one thing that you we're not getting are actual people going out and taking pictures and posting them due to their concern with the pandemic. So you don't have as many, you know, you know, um, you don't have many leaf watchers or what do they call them, leaf peepers out in the Northeast yeah. right now. But other than that, uh, we're we're I think looking at a pretty good a pretty good fall foliage. You want to get out today. You want to get out next week. Temperatures easily next week could be in the 70s compared to where they are right now, basically in the upper 40s and lower 50s. Yeah, it sounds like uh, this is it. This is the week uh, or the next two weeks when you're going to have two weeks. Yeah, yeah, to get it done. So uh, how about a uh, a quick forecast and we'll let you go. Yeah. Um, so again, um, we got we got the rain through us. Got about eh, a tenth to about two tenths of an inch of rain. Uh, the pattern has gone back to being from the northwest. Um, that means a dry flow. So probably 55 today. Mixture of sun and clouds. That wind out of the northwest at 20 miles an hour probably make it feel like it's in probably the low 50s. Um, frost possible tonight. Not a killing frost, but definitely temperatures down into the mid 40s or mid-30s, rather, and this is the perfect setup where you have rain from the night before, you have clear skies, and that moisture just is going to frost up like crazy on just about everything tomorrow morning. But then tomorrow's afternoon high up to about 60, 65 to 70. Tuesday and Wednesday, a little bit of a cool front goes through, so back in the mid-60s on, on Thursday, and probably up close to 70 to 75 for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, and next week. So we lose about two and a half minutes of sunlight, uh, we're already less sun than we are dark, or less sun than we are darkness because we're past 
the equinox. And as I mentioned, uh, November 1st, daylight savings time ends and sunset. 4:45 p.m. So use, uh, use the nice weather that we have as much as possible. <laughs> and and this is the last uh, chance for golf, Rick. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see about that, right? <laughs> yeah, I've got Come my. Come on, fr- you guys need a tea time for Friday. Yeah, uh, Tom Shepard's already bugging me. He says we got to get out there. So I don't know. And if you're available, let me know, Rick. <laughs> Uh, Will do. All right. Thanks, man. You have a great Sunday, and uh, I'm going to go and figure out which of my plants I need to bring in before tonight. All right. Good luck with the new format, guys. Take care. All right. right, Bye-bye. All right. uh, And this is where – oops, there he goes. And I believe – let's uh, bring in our – the theme. I'm I'm not seeing it. Oh, I gotta play it. Wouldn't that help? Okay, it, it goes <laughs> like detail. it goes like this. <laughs> the, yeah, there we are. Uh, that beats me humming it. That's you know, sure. and and Ron Cowgill, the other day uh, <laughs> was talking to me. He says, and if there are any technical screw ups, you have to yell at the engineer. So, hey, what are you doing over there? Okay, I just yelled at the engineer who's uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> right here. Uh, I want to thank everybody who was on the show with us today. Uh, Melinda Myers, the wonderful Melinda Myers, um, and uh, Sherry Doyle, uh, Lisa Kiverist. I want to thank all of our listeners for sticking with us. We're we're still working it, so please uh, stick around. Until next time, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. 